0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the big Big Ten football show. And today's episode is our Big Bets episode. I'm your host, Danny Mogo. You can find me on Twitter at Dan the Big Man. That's B1G for big. As you know, we're here talking Big Ten football. Last week we gave you four winners, four and two record. We are 11 and 5 on the season at the quarter poll for my horse players out there. And let's just jump right into week four. And let's start with our big bets, our B1G big bets. And first, I'm giving you Ohio plus 14 and a half against Northwestern. Let me give you my thought process this week. The first time I saw this line, I thought, oh, my goodness. Northwestern, 14 and a half. Has Vegas watched this team play? They shouldn't be 14 and a half points favored over anybody. Then I did a little more digging, did a little more research, and I said, oh, my Lord, look at Ohio. They, they lost to Duquesne. Are you kidding me? Duke, I didn't even, did you guys even know Duquesne has a football team? Okay, they lost to Duquesne, so I thought, meh, you know what? Maybe there's a reason Northwestern is a 14-and-a-half point favorite. They were 14 to start the season. I got to figure that preseason line had to be adjusted against Northwestern, and I thought maybe I had my answer why it wasn't. But as I dig even deeper, which is what I do for you all, I dig even deeper, now I'm back in Ohio. Why? Well, through three games, they're 0-3, lost to Syracuse, Uh, lost to Louisiana, got crushed by Louisiana, and lost to Duquesne. So it wasn't a murderer's row schedule either. But to be fair, the Bobcats have averaged 5.8 yards per play to 5.8 by their opponents. I mean, that's kind of like a 500-ish team, not an 0-3 team. But more importantly, they are becoming whole this week as they are expected to get arguably their best two receivers back in Isaiah Cox and Jerome Buckner. Cox was suspended. He has yet to play this season. In his career, he averages 19.5 yards per catch on 57 receptions. So he is a big play guy. While Buckner played in week one, he had 102 yards for seven grabs against Syracuse in their opening game, but he hasn't played the last two weeks. So getting those two guys back, I'm back on board. I'm with Ohio. It's anybody's guess who's gonna play for Northwestern under center. Uh, you have Hunter Johnson who threw three interceptions in the first half against Duke. Backup Andrew Marty came in. He sparked them, made it a game. Remember, we had we had Duke last week getting those points. And you, you know, part of you is wondering like, well, why wasn't Marty the starter? Um, going into the season, and also what's up with Ryan Halinski, who was supposed to be the starter going into the season. Well, Andrew Marty um, provided the spark, but then he was injured. He is questionable for this game. If I knew for sure he was healthy and playing, it might make this a pass. So, if you want to follow that, you can follow that and uh, make your decision on there as well. But he was relieved by Halinski. So, if it's Halinski or Hunter. It's it's Hunter has been terrible uh, this season. He was terrible two years ago when he came over from Clemson and was supposed to be, you know, the savior for Northwestern at quarterback. And, and then if the is the third string guy, it makes you wonder what what is he showing them in practice? Because he was that highly rated transfer that they brought in this season and, uh, you know, hasn't been able to get on the field only because of the injury. So we're going we're starting with Ohio. there getting 14 and a half points uh moving to maryland we're gonna lay 14 with the terps against kent state um if you remember last week when i talked about maryland i told you i kind of like them everything about the game when you analyze it said they should cover against illinois but i made it a pass because you know it's all too often maryland doesn't do what they quote unquote should do, what the talent says they should do. And it was kind of the case against Illinois. They won by three, didn't cover. Uh, The numbers would indicate that they should have won the game by more points. But at the end of the day, they found themselves down seven late in the game, in the fourth quarter, inside their own 20-yard line. And I love that they didn't fold. Previous Maryland teams would have lost this game. But they didn't. They marched down the field over 80 yards, scored a touchdown. Not only did they tie up the game and potentially send it to overtime, the defense responded, pushed Illinois back, forced a punt, and they got a field goal in regulation to win the game. Uh, The quarterback, Talia Tagavaloa, Little Tua, he's done a great job so far this season. The coaching staff has done a phenomenal job with him. He's making big-time throws. And he's not making mistakes. So they have the athletes on the perimeter. They have NFL caliber receivers. They have four big play receivers that are dangerous and can stretch the field. So if you can cash in on that and cut down on those turnover-worthy plays, zero according to PFF so far this season, against a shoddy Kent State defense, I expect the Terps will put up as many points as they want. Um, the Golden Flashes are supposed to have a decent offense themselves, but they've struggled so far when they've been asked to play up in competition. They lost 41 to 10 at Texas A&M, 30 to 7 at Iowa. Yes. Are those defenses better than Maryland's? Iowa, you know, for sure they are. Iowa is, is a clearly a top 10 defense in college football. A&M, you know, I don't know. AM shut down Colorado, but Minnesota did an even better job. And Minnesota's got a mediocre defense. They even did a better job against Colorado than AM did. Uh, at the end of the day, while this Maryland defense won't be the best defense Kent State has faced, they are a much improved team. Than we've seen over the past few years is this has been an all-or-nothing offensive team. They they are very strong against the run, they have a legit safety in cross, who, who does both ways. He impacts both parts of the game. And I think also Maryland Wolf benefit from being the third of three Power Five teams that Kent State has played in September. All on the road. If this was week one and this was a fresh Kent State team, I might be a little bit hesitant, but I like the fact that they've had to play AM, that they played a physical team like Iowa last week. Man, you got to imagine, you got to think the Golden Flashes, they cannot wait to get into MAC play. So those are your two big bets. Last week we went 2 and 1 with those, um, gave you Michigan who cruised to an easy victory over Northern Illinois. Duke with the outright win against Northwestern, and the only loser was Ohio State, who had a stinker of an offensive game. Uh, Their passing offense was the the lowest-rated passing offense by an Ohio State team since 2018, and they still put up, I think, 41 or 42. So we lost by a point or two on that one. Alright, let's move on to our, those are our big bets. Let's move on to our bigger bets. Last week our bigger bets were 1-1. One one. Uh, we got a little lucky with Cincinnati. I think, you know, most people won't say this, but I think we got a little unlucky with Miami. And uh, you're you're going to hear a little bit more about that game as I give you our bigger bets for this week. But let's start, let's go to Chicago where Notre Dame is getting six and a half points against the Wisconsin Badgers. Notre Dame was a team that was overrated to start the season, but I believe so was the Wisconsin Badgers, which just kind of has me scratching my head looking at this line. It's it's a, as I said, it's a neutral field. So if this was in Madison, what would the line be? Nine ten. Um, It it just seems like it's way too much, way too high. In Notre Dame, you have Jack Cohn taking on his old team so far. He's averaging 8.4 yards per pass. He's got eight touchdowns to two interceptions. It's unclear if Wisconsin picked the right quarterback as Graham Mertz is averaging only six yards per pass, has yet to throw a touchdown. With two interceptions. He's not playing up to his recruiting hype. He's not playing up to what he did in that spectacular debut against Illinois, which was an overrated performance. Every guy he hit in that game, he was like perfect 16 for 16. All the college football was going crazy. If you watch that game, every kid was wide open. Since then, he's been average at best. This figures to be a low-scoring game. Which the number uh, the total at 46 and a half indicates that that it should be a low-scoring game to me. That's another reason to bet the underdog. I believe Notre Dame has the arguably the better quarterback or the better quarterback today. You know, will Graham Mertz one day a a sophomore emerge and be better than Jack Cohen maybe by the end of the season or by next year sure that's very possible he's more talented but today if I need to win a game I'd much rather have Jack Cohen Kyle Hamilton Notre Dame safety is the uh, best player overall offense or defense for either team uh, Kyron Williams is the best skilled player. Either team has Wisconsin, always known for their tight ends. Jake Ferguson is their best weapon in the past game. Well, Notre Dame's tight end is even better. Michael Mayer, they even have a better tight end and people are so down on this Notre Dame defense. Well, heck they help Purdue, a big 10 team to 4.4 yards per play, only 13 points force them to change their quarterback. Uh, the Boilermakers are including that game, are averaging 5.7 yards per play. So this was by far the worst offensive performance by Purdue through three games. So I think Notre Dame, there's no reason to think why they can't keep it close. The weather could be bad, which also, again, would point towards the underdog. All right, let's keep on with the bigger bets another underdog and this one i kind of like uh, you know if you want to sprinkle a little bit everybody loves that term not right now all the gamblers they love that the podcasters let's sprinkle a little uh, money line on nebraska why not go for it i like nebraska getting 5 points against michigan state that's right i'm going against sparty again this team is 3 and 0 they vaulted into top 25, but I believe they are overvalued. I think they're overrated. I don't think they're a top 25 team. Uh, If you watched the game last week, Miami played a big part in MSU's road win. We're talking turnovers, costly penalties, drop touchdowns, multiple empty red zone trips. Uh, The key sequence for me in that game was the Canes up 7-3. They're throwing the ball at will. Michigan State's defensive backs couldn't look more scared. They're giving 15, 16-yard cushions on a third and nine for an easy first down pitch and catch. Second down and goal. Um, the quarterback throws a perfect pass to the tight end Mallory, who is basically perpendicular to the quarterback. He's just standing alone at the goal line, ready to catch the ball. He drops it. Next play penalty. They push Miami back. Another penalty on Miami, which which Michigan State declines. And then Miami proceeds to miss the field goal. So instead of 14-3, uh, to three, instead of 10-3, to three, it was still 7-3. And that was basically a microcosm of how Miami just beat themselves. And then by the time the fourth quarter came around, that's when Michigan State looked their best. And the quarterback actually played well in the fourth. He struggled before that. And part of me really feels like This is still a residual effect from that Alabama game with Miami and the fact that things were going wrong. They just quit. It looked like they quit easier than they normally would because of both how they were playing earlier in the game and should have had a bigger lead and didn't. And I think, you know, that people say that people say that Alabama game, when you start with them, that sticks with you and that could ruin seasons. So that's why I'm not full on board with Michigan state who remember I told you going into the year four and a half win total, they were undervalued. So the market has corrected. The market has overcorrected. And I think you can say the same for Nebraska, a team I was down on going into the year, gave you the under for the season total, gave you Illinois week zero. But since then, you know, they cruised over Fordham. All right, throw that game out. That's an FCS game, but they covered the last two games rather easily beating Buffalo 28-3, losing only by a touchdown They gave Oklahoma a scare in a game where the spread was, what what was that, 23-point spread against the Sooners in Norman. I know Oklahoma isn't playing up to their expectations, but still, this is an Oklahoma offense that's far superior to what Michigan State has to offer. So in the last three games, the Cornhuskers have allowed only 33 points. Quarterback Adrian Martinez quietly shh don't tell anybody, quietly, he's playing the best football of his career, averaging 11.7 yards per pass. That's per pass, not per completion, per pass. They're becoming much more efficient. He's doing a better job of protecting the, the football. And I think Miami showed last week that you can throw against Michigan State. So an outright upset here wouldn't surprise me. This is a game where the preseason line was Nebraska minus four. Now you're getting the Cornhuskers at plus five. I think it's it's an overcorrection. And that's the theme of my next pick as well. Indiana minus nine against Western Kentucky. In the preseason, this line was 20 and a half. 20 and a half, and now it's down to nine. Um, in my earlier podcast this week, I spoke a lot about it focused on recalibrating the Big Ten East. And I think Indiana has been overcorrected. This team was way overrated going into the year. I could not believe pundits like Joel Klatt was saying Indiana is the biggest threat to Ohio State going into the year. That people were putting them in the same class as Penn State. People were saying everybody picked them ahead of Michigan. And I think, you know, they were wrong. Those were stupid takes. Those were incorrect picks. And I think now people are bitter. This is what happens. You know, people bought into Indiana. Indiana failed them. Now they're bitter about Indiana. And I'm seeing people... Saying, oh, they're going to go four and eight. So they went from being a nine and three team to going four and eight. And who did they lose to? Iowa, who's ranked number five in the country. And since they lost to two top 10 teams. And you, folks, that quickly, you went from saying this is a nine and three team to a four and eight team, not making a bowl. Versus the team that's going to challenge Ohio State. I mean, people are all over the map with the Hoosiers. I, I've seen a ranking that had Rutgers ahead of them. That has them behind Maryland and Michigan State. Come on. This is too much. This is too much hate now on the Hoosiers. They received too much love. Now they're getting too much hate. This is what we do. But let everybody do the screaming. Lie in the, lie in the weeds. And and get those winners. Right? That's what we do. Get those winners because we had Iowa. We had Cincinnati. We're happy. We're not bitter at all. Now we're going to lay the nine with Indiana and they're going to bounce back. This is where that, this is where that Leo, that love everybody, love everyone motto that Tom Allen has brought to Indiana. It's that doesn't get you to be good enough to beat teams that are better than you, but when you're 1-2 and, and everybody's doubting you, that's the type of stuff that keeps the team together. And to be honest, the Hoosiers have played well defensively. If you look at the numbers, they did a good job against Iowa. They did a good job against Cincinnati. I had Cincinnati last week. I felt lucky to win that game. That game was 14-0, got turned on a questionable targeting call that uh, Cincinnati was going to punt. Instead, they scored a touchdown. The linebacker was out of the game. That you know that game easily could have gone another way. So I think you're getting great value here. Indiana has one of the best secondaries in the Big Ten. The talent is legit in the second in the secondary, and I think that's a bad matchup for the past happy hilltoppers. And last week, Western Kentucky lost to Army. That's a grueling game. They faced 67 rushes of triple option football. You know that when you play a team like Army that takes you more than a week to recover. I honestly you know it's it's unpatriotic and I hate to say it and I love when teams don't follow this you know we saw Army play Michigan we saw Army play Oklahoma recently so you, you love those matchups but if I was scheduling I don't think I would ever schedule Army because I would hate to face that offense and that just running the ball at you the way they block going low the chop blocks. Those guys from Western Kentucky, they're going to want a week off, and they're not going to get it. They're going to get a hungry, desperate-for-a-win Indiana team who now gets to put that chip on their shoulder again to prove doubters wrong. That's when Tom Allen and his boys are at their best. Finally, I've given you two big bets, three bigger bets. It is time for the biggest bet of the week. Last week, that was the Minnesota Golden Gophers a a two-and-a-half-point underdog, three-point underdog, who won 30 to nothing. Our big bets are 3-0 this season so far, and we're going back to Ann Arbor. We've hit twice with Michigan as our biggest bets, weeks one and weeks two, and we're going back to Ann Arbor where they're laying 20 points. This is a combination of continuing to ride the blue wave of the Michigan Wolverines, who we told you. Before the season was the most undervalued team in the country, and they still might be they still might be because they should be ranked higher and they're going against the Scarlet Knights, and I love fading Rutgers in this game. I have lost track of the amount of times I've heard national media pundits refer to Rutgers as a good team. Somebody even has them in their top twenty five it's that is an absolute joke. When you say stuff like that, you're telling me you're not you've never you've not watched this team have a single snap. There's no way you watch this team play because they cannot get the ball down the field. They will not be able to score against this Wolverines defense. Quarterback Noah Vidrell, he is 107th out of 121 quarterbacks in passer rating with 50 plus dropbacks. And also, according to PFF, they're the ones that did this work. He is last in the country in average depth per target. He cannot get the ball down the field. Um, they do have one good skill player in Bo Melton, who I believe has a chance to be an NFL wide receiver. But Noah Vidrell simply cannot get him the ball. It doesn't matter if he gets open. And uh, Rutgers is 105th in yards per play. Their defense is not terrible. They play hard. They do a great job of, uh, of scheming. They they follow the schemes. They're well coached, which is not a surprise with the Greg Schiano team. I just think they are really stepping up in competition, and they're not going to be ready for it. They're just not because they you know they they beat Syracuse, great, great. They beat Temple, nice, good job, good job. This Michigan juggernaut is way different than those teams. This offensive line is nothing like that Rutgers front has seen, and they're going to be stunned, I believe. When they when they line up, they're not going to believe how good this Michigan offensive line is. And the way they block for their running backs, they are third in college football in yards before contact. And you throw in the fact that you have Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins who are just excelling when they get the ball in their hands. That's made this running game absolutely dominant. Blake Corum is spectacular absolutely spectacular home run hitting speed kid from the DMV area is is arguably the most explosive offensive player of the Jim Harbaugh era and I think with Wisconsin coming in uh excuse me not coming in but coming up uh the following week we expect Michigan to try to build on Cade McNamara's confidence he was 8 for 11 for 191 yards last week Rutgers has a depleted cornerback room You have the two guys involved in the paintball incident, including um, Max Melton, the brother of Bo Melton, who's suspended because of that. Uh, Patrice Rene is still questionable. He has yet to play this season. He was a corner that came in from North Carolina. Now it's possible the weather is going to play an impact. That's fine. Don't, Don't let that deter you from betting the Wolverines if weather is a factor because of Michigan's dominant running game. And if if weather's a factor, I don't see, you know, I expect maybe a shutout, you know. So I'm thinking 45-10, something like 41-10 maybe um, for the Wolverines to throttle the Scarlet Knights. Um, You know, there's a few more games in the Big Ten, which I'm not playing, but I'm just going to let you know what they are. We have Minnesota Is 31 over Bowling Green. You know, just a little thank you for the Gophers to come through for us as our biggest bet last week. They held the Buffaloes to minus 19 yards per run, 63 total yards. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Minnesota Golden Gophers. We have Iowa's lane 23, 23 and a half against Colorado State. My goodness, their quarterback continues to be well below average, and it continues to not matter. I really want to fade the Hawkeyes, but I just don't feel the opportunity. Just like I didn't feel it last week, they were a 23-point favorite also against Kent State. Uh, They pushed thanks to a late score by Tyler Goodson. Uh, He scored with about four minutes left in the game, so they needed their starter uh, in the game still with four minutes left to get the cover against Colorado State but at the same time as much as I want to fade them uh I do believe in the defense and if the defense I said this last week right you know it would be it would be rough to take Kent State and and watch Col- you know Iowa win the game 27-3 30 to 3 well they won 30 to 7 and the same thing could happen this week Purdue laying 11 against Illinois at home I'm leaning I was leaning Purdue um, I still may end up taking Purdue, so keep a lookout for that. Um, the key here is the health of one David Bell. I reached out to a Purdue reporter earlier today um, and to try to see what the deal was with David Bell. That was Mike Carmine, who covers uh, the Boilermakers for a few years now, and, and he's dialed into that program he said there's still no update. He hopes to get something today, but we still don't have an idea. So w- when you talk about that, potentially not having David Bell on top of uh, Xander Horvath, their best running back is out on top of Corey Trice, their best cornerback is out right now. If that's the status to me, it's a pass. And then finally, we have Ohio State's a 49 point favorite against Akron and, um, I'm sure everyone has heard that the Ohio State C.J. Stroud is sitting out for the game to rest a tired shoulder. He's kind of you know been he's kind of been working his shoulder. It seems like you know whenever there's an incompletion, even since Week One against Minnesota, I wish I'd known that. I wish you know Ryan Day let me know that he wasn't going to let his quarterback throw last week when when I had them over 43 points on offense. But they will be playing uh, you know probably Kyle McCord. Who's a five-star Jack Miller, a four-star uh, redshirt freshman, uh, redshirt sophomore, both talented kids. So, and if you saw Trevion Will, if you saw Trevion Henderson, their running back play, he looks like the best freshman running back since Adrian Peterson. They have potentially three future first-round picks at wide receiver. So Ohio State still should be able to score as many points as they want. But I'll give you this little nugget I, I got I, I got from listening to. Chris the Bear Felica, who I know all college football fans and gamblers love, he gave out this number that since 1996 there have been 13 favorites of at least 49 points in an FBS versus FBS game. The favorites are 1-12 in 12 against the spread. They are 2-16 against the spread since 1993. Do with that information what you will, folks. I'm not telling you you should bet Ohio State. I'm also not telling you you, you, should, you should not but Akron it's it's up to you it's up to you what you want to do but that wraps up our show we're giving you six games again today uh, how about you you know hopefully five and one but you know what I'll take four and two again I'll take another four and two if that's how it shakes out that is Ohio getting 14 and a half points against Northwestern Maryland laying the 14 then we have our three Bigger bets, Notre Dame getting six and a half against Wisconsin in Chicago. Nebraska plus five against Michigan State in East Lansing. Maybe a little sprinkle, a little sprinkle action there. And then finally, Indiana laying the nine against Western Kentucky. And our last game, our biggest bet, back to Michigan, pound those Wolverines. Because they will be pounding Greg Schiano and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights on Saturday.